Welcome everyone to episode 140 of the Red Zone Restricted Podcast. I'm your host David Comerford and I'm joined by Dan Club and Liam Toher as we predict Jürgen Klopp's successor at Anfield. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So we're recording this on Saturday the 8th of July. Preseason is starting today but we're actually going to look much further ahead than just the current campaign. In 2026, Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool contract expires and the expectation at the moment is that he is going to be leaving the club when that happens, probably take a sabbatical maybe to join the German national team. So there are still three more seasons potentially under Jurgen Klopp and the landscape will, will look very different come the end of that 2025-26 season when he is expected to move on. But we're going to get a bit of an early jump seeing as you know the transfer windows little bit quiet at the moment and it's probably the best time if any to, to sort of look ahead and we're going to offer the earliest really of predictions so what what we've done is we've got a list of 10 names and that's kind of put together from the odds at the moment in terms of who's going to be the successor and sort of some reports on on managers who, who are possible candidates and then we're going to pick the top three most likely each of us from that list and then kind of discuss why and maybe discuss a few names we think aren't the most likely, but could be some good candidates. So let's start by just reading through that list, shall we? Um, So here are the names in no particular order. So we've got Julian Nagelsmann, Xabi Alonso, Steven Gerrard, Roberto De Zerbi, Mauricio Pochettino, Steve Cooper, Thomas Tuchel, Hansi Flick, Zinedine Zidane, and Pep Linders. So Dan, I'm going to come to you first. Um, Any sort of order that you'd like, what would be your three most likely Jurgen Klopp successors from that list? Yeah, my three most likely. Now, I should say before anyone screams at their device that this is most likely, and they're not the ones I would choose. They're not my favourites to come in after Jurgen Klopp. But my three most likely from that list would be Xavier Alonso, Steven Gerrard, and Pep Linders. Right, and would you have? Would that just be three? three of the most likely or is there a sort of one there that kind of stands out to you the ones the one stand out to me from them would be Xavier Alonso right okay and same question to you Liam your three please yeah um, mine isn't isn't too dissimilar to Dan's of the three most likely from that list I would say Alonso Gerard and I probably go Julian Nagelsmann over Pep Linders because I've feeling that Linders might go with Klopp whenever Jorgen does move on and of those three that I would most like to see, yeah, I'm with Dan. I think Alonso, from what he's done at Ed Cousin so far, um, would be my preferred pick of those three. Right, okay. And my my top three names would be, um, in third place, I'd have Alonso. In second, I'd go for Nagelsmann. And first, I'd go for Pep Linders. So quite a bit of overlap there. Um, we'll start with you then, Dan. So what is it that you think that Alonso is the most likely? Because I actually thought when I asked you who, who the most likely was, obviously, based on my answer, that you might kind of go for Linders. But why is it that you think Alonso might be the man who ends up succeeding him? Do you know what it is with Linders? I actually wonder whether a job might come up in sort of the interim. I, I, I think if Linders is still the number two at the time Jürgen Klopp moves on, 
I think the likelihood of him sort of passing on the mantle in that sense increases. If you could make me a guarantee that Linders would still be at the club when that time comes, I'd probably have him higher. But I do wonder, there's been reports previously about him potentially getting a, an actual managerial job elsewhere. And I wonder whether that'll happen again. And he might, maybe not this season, doesn't look likely, but maybe after this season, he might sort of take the plunge, as it were, um, which would decrease the likelihood of him taking over from Klopp. So that's my reasoning behind him. But with Alonso, like Liam references there, I think he's had a wonderful start to his managerial career. Obviously, at Leverkusen now, um, and he's done a really good job with them. They were floundering a little bit when he took over last year and he, he really galvanised them and they ended the season well. So I've been impressed. I'm impressed with Xavi Alonso as a person when he speaks. He carries himself especially well. And obviously there's ties to the football club there that will never go away. And we all still adore him. There's no sort of... A lot of footballers have left this club and... We haven't always left on the best terms. There's absolutely zero animosity between us and Xavi Alonso. So there'd be no qualms about him coming back. And it feels to me, like we've seen the path where Jurgen Klopp took before coming to Liverpool, obviously Mainz, Dortmund, and then coming. It feels to me like Leverkusen, big football club, don't get me wrong, like absolutely no disrespect. But in terms of stepping stones, it feels like if he has a good two seasons, three seasons there, that'll be a good grounding for him to make a move like this. So the timeline feels right. Him as a person feels right. So, yeah, and like I say, it's somebody I'd love to see come in at Liverpool. I think you make quite a good point there in terms of, you know, you look at other players who've left the club. I mean, you know, Fernando Torres, for example, I think he's he's gone into coaching. Maybe people might have a mixed feelings if, if he ended up at Liverpool just because obviously... Um, the fact that he joined Chelsea when he left Alonso, while he did kind of take that step up, I think he's still pretty much universally adored um, among Liverpool fans. I mean, just to touch on what you said about kind of how good a job he's done at Leverkusen, to put it in context, I mean, I also think it's good that he he kind of seemed to take quite a bit of time before he step, stepped into his first managerial role. I think he was with sort of Sociedad, Sociedad B. B yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. Um, and he really kind of made sure, you know, he was ready for the role. So, though, he, he took over when they were second from bottom in the table, had a dreadful start to the season. Um, but since he's joined, they the fourth best team in the league based on form. And they ended up finishing in sixth place, which qualifies them for the Europa League. And incidentally, in this year's Europa League, they got all the way to the semi-finals uh, where they lost 1-0 uh, to Roma. Um, so they you know, did brilliantly in Europe as well. So just a, a fantastic season. I mean, one thing I would say on him, I want to come on back onto Linders in a second. Obviously, I... I would have him as my number one. But one thing I'd say on um, on Alonso is, do you think there's a possibility? I mean, this is, I guess, one of the challenges of what we're doing today in terms of looking so far into the future. But is there a chance that he ends up, you know, does potentially Carlo Ancelotti looks like he's taking the Brazil job 2024. Maybe another of Alonso's former clubs, he, he goes to Real Madrid. But then again, I suppose that the... The ten years of managers at the top level can be quite short, so things could could still align. You know, it could just be a couple of years at Real. I mean, it, it, do we have to think when we're looking at club successes about, I suppose, whether the time aligns, whether they might actually get poached by someone else, but before they end up at Liverpool? Yeah, that's a huge factor, of course. Is yeah, and while you were speaking there, David, I was kind of thinking, ironically, it could be Real Madrid that snap him up before we do, but. 
I wonder, I mean, Zinedine Zidane's on our list. It just feels to me like every time that vacancy comes around, he's shoehorned back into there. And obviously he's been out of work since leaving Madrid, which feels strange to me anyway. But I don't know. Real Madrid don't feel like, and there's probably examples of this in the past that proved me wildly inaccurate here, but they don't feel like the kind of club to give what would still be a relatively unproven manager, regardless of what he does at Leverkusen, because the likelihood is he's not going to win the Bundesliga. He could go far in Europe. He might win the German Cup, potentially. But Real Madrid don't often give opportunities to managers like that. They want sort of tried and tested. Zinedine Zidane himself is a bit of an outlier in that, of course, but he goes on to be incredibly successful. So maybe, but they feel to me as if a club like when Ancelotti does move on, they will get sort of more of a proven winner and they won't give someone like Alonso time to build a project. Whereas with us, when Klopp goes, we know... I think there's going to be a weird transition period after that. It's not going to be easy. Whoever follows in Klopp's footsteps, there's something that was said a lot about United and Ferguson. It's going to be a difficult act to follow. I don't think we're too dissimilar in this conversation that we're having. And on that note, bringing someone in with credit in the bank already with a football club could be massively important. And you might want to give them time to build a little bit of a project. And someone like Alonso, who will be still new in his managerial career, loosely speaking, makes a lot of sense. Whereas I think... Real Madrid would want someone, like I say, who's going to walk through the door and go and win titles straight away. And listen, Alonso could be that guy by then, you don't know. But if he remains at Leverkusen the whole time, he makes a lot of sense for me. Yeah, I think that's quite an important part of this. I think there will be, naturally, because of how much Klopp has basically just embedded himself into the club, there's going to be an acceptance that there is going to be a transition period there when he does go. And that it is going to have to be kind of a long-term project. And that's where, like you say, Dan, a young manager, maybe one who doesn't have that much experience, like Alonso, where, where it might suit him. Almost kind of like a Mikel Arteta type tra- trajectory, mm. I suppose. Um, I mean, to bring it back onto um, Pep Linders, I think, you know, you spot on in terms of he, he's going to have offers, you know, he's had multiple offers before 2026. I mean... He's had, I've read um, some of his book and he, he said that he had an offer from a championship team. Mikel Arteta wanted him to be part of his coaching staff at Arsenal when he went there. And I think for him, it's basically, does he want to play the long game and try and get that Liverpool vacancy? Or does he, you know, think, you know what, I can't really wait that long. You need to get this kind of career underway. But I'll come to you now, Liam, and staying on Linders because... It feels to me, and the reason I had him as the most likely is because he feels like the continuity candidate. And I don't know if he would be given more than, say, a one-year deal when he took over. But it seems like Liverpool are going to want to basically just replicate what they had with Klopp as closely as they can. And maybe the best bet of doing that is to um, is to just appoint his assistant, the man who's sort of drilling his philosophy into the players. I mean, I mean what do you make of that angle on things? Yeah, no, I, I can definitely see see the logic in that because Klopp would have been there for so long by that stage that having Linders there would sort of feel like they're the least transitional in a sense. I think the big question mark which, might, which Liverpool fans might have is you know, it would be a brave step to take as a first senior managerial role to go from you know, to, to a club of Liverpool, Liverpool stature, and I suppose that Mikel Arteta did something similar at, at Arsenal, and the, I mean, the first year or so, it was a bit maybe wasn't the smoothest, but look where he is now, and so my point to that as a justification for 
for going with lenders. Um, personally, I do think it might, it will be might be a risky appointment, um, just given that you know there is the world of difference between you know, being an assistant coach on on just focusing on the training ground and then going to being a manager, just dealing with so much more, you know, so, side things away from away from the football and especially at at a club like Liverpool. Um, you know, I just might feel like that that little bit bit big of a leap for me. Yeah, I definitely see where you're coming from. I mean, one thing with Linders as well is, you know, he, he caught a bit of flack last season um, in terms of people suggesting that his influence was was part of what was, you know, damaging Liverpool in terms of tactics and stuff. I personally thought that that was just a bit silly because nobody knows, like, who's kind of wielding the power with the tactics and things like that. It felt like a, just a bit of a scapegoat situation. But, you know, you, you know, if Dan's saying that Alonso could be a sort of un- unanimously approved appointment to feel like this one would be a lot more divisive. But that, I suppose, is going to be the natural kind of situation with it. I mean, the good the good thing with Linders is, I suppose, he does have, you know, people speculate that basically Klopp lets him manage the cup games and he just like the press conference and things like that. It feels like he has sort of got a little bit of kind of the experience of things around management already. Um I mean, you mentioned there, Liam, his sort of lack of experience, how much of a gamble it would be. He did actually leave Liverpool briefly a couple of years ago to uh, go and manage in, yeah. in, in the Dutch second tier and um, only lasted five months because he um, the team he was with, he, he managed to finish third in the table, but then ended up losing in the playoffs, the team in seven. So people might look at that and say, you know, is he equipped to do the senior role? Is his specialism just kind of doing them training sessions, drilling those tactics in? on the training ground. I think that's the dilemma for Liverpool is sort of he's low risk in the sense that he provides continuity, but he's high risk in the sense that he doesn't have the experience, basically. Mm. Um, someone who does have experience of managing, albeit very mixed, is Steven Gerrard. Um, I'll stay with you on him, Liam, and then bring you back in on, on him, Dan, because obviously we've just seen him take a new role in Saudi Arabia. Do you think if, if Gerrard is to come in, it would be a kind of Frank Lampard-esque appointment maybe where we see him kind of given the reins while Liverpool maybe wait for someone more long-term. And yes, he'd have the opportunity to prove himself. But I mean, based on what we've seen so far from him, is he going to be of the calibre to be sort of a long-term appointment? Um, speaking at this moment in time, I wouldn't think so. Um, just from like... I know he had that one very good season at Rangers, but then when he tried in Premier League with Villa, it just didn't go well at all. And so we've seen with a couple of other clubs the towards the, the potential pitfalls of going with a, a former club legend as such, like Lampard is the obvious example, I suppose the way that Oregon and Solskjaer's tenure at Man United mm. ended also might might be might be a, a, a good case study as well. Um I know we've kind of been down this road before a little bit when Kenny Daglish came in after Roy Hodgson of just getting in that club legend to placate the fan base. Now, of course, I mean, things now compared to back then are thankfully a lot smoother for us, so it probably would be a different scenario. But um, yeah, I think at this moment in time, if Gerard was to be appointed, it probably would have that bit of a placeholder feel to it rather than being... Um, being a long-term thing, but of course the convection could be very different by 2026. Yeah, that, that's absolutely the the caveat with all of this is that um you know Gerard could prove himself, but I suppose Dan the concern on that front is you know mm. things ended pretty disastrously at Aston Villa. I think you know they were really struggling. The fans turned on them in a major mm. way. 
we've seen him now go to the Saudi Pro League. I mean, I mean, what do you think of that move in terms of Gerard's career trajectory? Because I, I think it's obviously the league's going in a positive direction, but it still feels like a bit of a strange one to me. Oh yeah, you'd be you'd be hard pressed to describe it as anything but strange, really. And you said there is is Villa tenure ended poorly, I guess, um, sort of thrown out on his ear a little bit. The fans weren't happy with him. Clearly, the board weren't happy with him. Hence, removing from his job. And that job he did at Villa has been made to look even worse by the amazing job that Unai Emery's done since going in there as well. So his stock has done absolutely no favours in the past twelve months. Um, yeah, the, the Saudi move is an odd one. You mentioned there in terms of that the league on the up, I guess, um, in many senses with the the calibre of players that they've attracted over there. That league will obviously improve in standard this upcoming season. There's no two ways about that. Um, sort of where we stand on the morality of all of that and how it looks is a different different conversation altogether. I think Rio Ferdinand and Jamie Carragher are on different sides of that argument for a start. But in terms of Gerrard, it's a strange move for lots of reasons. Because going over there always feels, over your player or a manager, it's like you're getting your payday, doesn't it? It's like you want to get your last payday. And there's obviously examples this time of Ruben Neves and Jota from Celtic who were who are younger than getting the last payday. Let's put it like that. So, But it does feel like you are going over there, getting your money, and then you'll either retire on the back of it or you'll go down a different career route, especially if you're a manager. So I do wonder whether Gerard is setting his stall out to maybe come back and not work, be a pundit, something like that. Maybe sort of go into a different coaching role and not necessarily front and centre as a manager because I don't see how you go from El Etifaki, is it, to another Premier League job to Liverpool, for instance. I don't see how that pathway worked personally because it's never been done before maybe. And like it's very rare. I mean, Rafa Benitez went to China for a while, then he comes back, doesn't really succeed at Everton. He struggled to get a job since. So I don't know. Maybe it's because it's not a well-trodden path. I don't see how it works, but it's an ever-changing face. So perhaps there is something in it. But probably the the oddest part of the whole thing is that Gerard's not even gone to one of the big four clubs over there, so he's not likely to compete with the real money men. I like, don't get me wrong, all the clubs inside they've got money, of course they have. But they're not a club that's signing Bobby Firmino, for instance. Sadio Mane could be heading over there, etc. etc. They're not them. So I don't know how much you can improve his managerial stock. A in Saudi and B in a Saudi club that's not likely to challenge at the top of that league. Because he's really going to be competing for if things work out like on the financial side. You know, basically fifth place, given the the wealth disparity that might emerge there. And like you say, I mean, there was a report this week that they want Obama Yang, they want even Jordan Henderson. So they they maybe do have the capacity to bring in stars, but it's going to be sort of the quantity of of those players, I suppose. And um, I think you make a good point too in terms of it's difficult to know what kind of trajectory his manager career would have after this if that's what he wants to do, because you know Gerard's always going to be on the radar in terms of the star power he has, but there's not going to be many Premier League fan bases that are going to accept or, or take his appointment well, no matter how well he does in Saudi Arabia, just based on how, how things went at Villa. Whereas maybe if he'd stayed in Europe or stayed in England and, and, and built his reputation back up again, then maybe that's a bit different. And it's difficult with him because it's not that long ago that, you know, he's coming off his time at Rangers and, you know, didn't necessarily succeed in, in Europe, which I suppose is the, the typical barometer for old firm managers, but 
you know, that that season, they had, you know, an invincible season um, in the Scottish Premiership. They absolutely romped the league. I mean, at that stage, he looked like he was, you know, a genuine sort of contender, I suppose, for Liverpool. But I think when it came to Villa and he's starting to manage more regularly against some of the best coaches in the world and, you know, the strongest league in the world in terms of managerial talent, then he did look a bit exposed and is managing in Saudi Arabia. I know they've got maybe a few names there. Um, Nuno springs to mind. But again, you know, it's not necessarily going to further him that much as a coach, I don't think. Um, so that that's where the challenge lies. But the other name that we've not touched on yet, who was in sort of my top three and your top three, Liam, is, is Julian Nagelsmann. Obviously, a bit of a, a strange one with him. I mean, he's actually only 35 years old. He's, he's only managed, though, I think, at, at three clubs. Uh, built his name at Hoffenheim, faced Liverpool during that sort of tenure in a Champions League qualifier. Gets a couple of third um, and second place finishes with Leipzig, um, which is obviously very solid. Won the Bundesliga with Bayern in his first season. Controversially sacked this year before he was given the chance to defend that title. Thomas Tuchel scraped it um, without him. But I suppose the thing that really did for him at Bayern was those Champions League exits to, uh, I mean, they got knocked out by Villarreal and they got yeah, very emphatically uh, beaten by Manchester City in the end as well. Why is it you think that that Nagelsmann is still a contender for Liverpool job, having you know seen things go quite badly wrong in the end for him at Bayern? I suppose that, <clears throat> I mean, despite the, the way that I finished, I mean, he does have a fairly good CV in the Bundesliga, and particularly for someone someone of his age, and um, to, to have you know like two clubs that just competed, probably three if you count half the nine, and. Um, there that they competed in, in the Champions League under his tenure. <clears throat> and and that, and also I think the fact that they might be looking that maybe stylistically or you know even culturally that he might be <coughs> of a similar mould to Klopp in that I mean like the, obviously the nationality is the the obvious up there and and the fact that already has already built up you know, plenty of experience at, at a high level that he might be in. He probably wouldn't be my per, in my personal top three, but of the ten names you, you give out at the start, um, I think I think he's one that Jordan might come into come into come into consideration, particularly if he takes another job in the meantime, and that goes goes well for him. I suppose one of the names you mentioned that I would like to see, um, even if I don't think it's particularly likely, is Thomas Tuchel. Um, I mean, I think it's almost under underestimated, like just how good a job he did at Chelsea. I mean, the Champions League is the obvious, um, obvious peak peak of that. But you, you just look at what a mess they kind of became after he was jettisoned last year. And um, again, and as a manager, he, had, he reminds me of Klopp in many ways, like not just because of the nationality, but I think also his his kind of demeanour on the sideline that he kicks every ball when he's there, sometimes to his detriment because we've seen him getting sent off, I think, in a couple in one or two games for Bayern already. But he strikes me as someone who I think might be able to, to strike a chord at Liverpool fans for that reason of wearing his heart in his sleeve. And so he has uh, uh, he has experience of the big competitions in Europe. He, ha- he knows the Premier League as well from his time with Chelsea. So um He's one that, even though I don't think particularly likely, I would, I would actually would like to see at Liverpool possibly after Klopp goes. Yeah, I think he forged a, a really strong bond with the Chelsea fans, especially navigating the the, the Abramovich situation, um, which was 
to be fair to him, very, very difficult to deal with um, that one. And uh, the thing with Tuchel for me that gives him some appeal is his ability to kind of, in terms of just being a tactician, I think that he's you know right up there at the very best in the world, especially in terms of that kind of uh, that European side of things. I mean, we saw that quite prominently in that run to the Champions League that you mentioned. Um, and generally, I think he's, he's his legacy at Chelsea has been improved definitely by what almost what happened afterwards uh, in terms of people think, you know what, he did actually a really good job there. People maybe expected that step up to compete for the title, but based on what happened afterwards, I mean, just being sort of there, like I think he was in 21-22 is seen as a very good achievement. Um, my concern with him is is just the track record of, of falling out with the... Um, with the ownership, I suppose. I think it's happened at his last couple of clubs. There was a time when he when he looked like he was following Klopp, basically, mm. from one club to another. You know, he was at Mainz, he was at Dortmund. But um, again, I just think, you know, he's done, he's achieved, like, quite a lot as a manager. It's just, you know, can he do the kind of interpersonal stuff, which is an important part of the job? I mean, Klopp excels at that. He really doesn't ruffle any feathers at all, so it'd be a bit of a culture shock in that way. But definitely would be a candidate, I think, if um, he was available when the vacancy appeared. And just to touch on Nagelsmann, I think I had him in there because he's, I, I agree with the culture fit point. I think it's interesting that we've seen a summer where the Tottenham job was open, the PSG job, the Chelsea job. I think Nagelsmann was linked quite strongly with all three of those, but didn't end up taking any of them. And the impression I got was that he didn't feel the urgency to get back. I mean, I mentioned he's only 35. He's, I think, decided to maybe take a bit of time out and if he comes back sort of stronger from that and you know whatever his next job is if he does kind of excel again then I think he's definitely going to be I think Liverpool would have earmarked him pretty much since the Hoppenheim days as someone to, to watch really um, and I think he's got weirdly saying this for a manager but reading some of the stuff about his time at Bayern I think he's actually got maturing to do as a coach and that's there's no shame in that considering he's so much younger than so many of his counterparts um, and I think when he learns to kind of base, you know, reading about what happened to Bayern, it seemed like those difficulties with like the impression he left on the squad. And I think that's something that can you can come from experience and that, and that Bayern time can be hopefully a positive learning curve for him. And I think he he's one of them where if he can rebuild himself, then for me, he could be the top candidate. But Dan, I want to like touch on, as we come towards the end now, just some of the names we haven't mentioned. I mean, I'm just going to read out the ones that we've not touched on so far. So you've got the Zerbi, Pochettino, Cooper, Hansi Flick, Zidane, obviously we mentioned briefly. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there anyone on that list or otherwise that sticks out to you as, as someone who you just, you know, quite like, or do you think would at, at this stage, if you were offered maybe them as a success, you think, you know what, we could be in for, for more success after Klopp. It's hard not to be impressed by the Zerbi. Quite frankly, um, such a small sample size. Obviously, coming in was it early in the midway through the season for um, Graham Potter when he headed off to Chelsea. But it, what a season they had! Like we obviously came up against Brighton numerous occasions, the FA Cup and stuff like that, and they absolutely played us off the park a couple of times. So very, very impressed with him. But again, you know, it's hard to know sort of where his career will take him because. Uh, it's hard. It's difficult to imagine he'll still be at Brighton in three years' time. Quite frankly, like no disrespect to Brighton, but much in a similar way to their star players, 
it feels like their star manager could well get poached um, if he goes again, has a similar sort of season to what he's just enjoyed. So I think in terms of preference out of those names, I think it probably would be the Zerbi because there's, there's a few sort of red flags with a few of them you've just touched on. The Nagelsmann thing's interesting because I love Julian Nagelsmann. I think he's brilliant. I, he was the one... If we'd have had this conversation this time last year, he would have been top of my list. Like, obviously, Xavi Alonso wasn't really coaching at the first team level then, so it's difficult to involve him. Um, Gerard, his stock was higher, so he would have been, you know, amongst them as well. But I think Nagelsmann would have been top for me. But the way the Bayern debacle ended is a huge red flag. And I think you just touched on it there, Dave. I think he's got some learning to do yet. And there's no shame in that. He's still so young. He's had a very successful career. That's probably is why he's taking a little bit of time to sort of reset and sort of recalibrate his force and go again. Because managers don't tend to leave Bayern in strange ways. Like, down, it doesn't feel like something they do. They only, it's quite a straight line at Bayern normally. But with him, for whatever reason, it did end sort of very frostily. So... I'd like him to come back stronger, and you know, I think he's definitely a candidate. But you Steve Cooper's this world. Obviously, I get why they'd be linked there because he's coached with us before, but he's starting, he's miles off it, really, in terms of Liverpool for me. Um, Flick, yeah, good manager. Doesn't feel like a Liverpool manager whatsoever in any way, shape, or form. Um, and some of the others, Pochettino, no, not now. Not now. If he'd have gone somewhere else, maybe. Um, I really enjoyed him at Tottenham. Thought he did a wonderful job there, but not now he's at Chelsea. That's You can tick that one off the list for me. But yeah, um, I think my overall preference, like I say, even... I think he's the most likely, like I touched on earlier, and I think my preference would be Xavi Alonso. But the Gerard thing, just to touch on that as well, that'll just never go away, will it? Mm. I don't think whatever happens, that will ever go away. I don't think we'll ever not be linked with Steven Gerrard becoming a Liverpool manager at some point. Yeah, definitely. I think um, Liverpool have got to be wary of those sort of cautionary tales though, um, that, that Liam mentioned with, with Lampard and with Solskjaer at other Premier League rivals. It's got to be kind of, you got to go for the manager and not the name, I suppose. Um, same question to you then, Liam. I mean, other names on the list, other names you aren't on the list do kind of stand out to you? Um, yeah, just I probably would go along with a lot of what Dan said up with the other candidates. Like, the Zorby is one that... I think was kind of close to being in my top three. But again, I probably would like to see him you know, for another season or two to see can he build on what he's done at Brighton or was it a little bit of a one-off? Like we see managers at that type of club do, do really well, then go up to the like big six and completely flounder. I think Graham Potter is probably the, a, a prime example of that. Um, of the others, like, yeah, Steve Cooper, or with, with no disrespect to Nottingham Forest, like going from there to Liverpool is you know, a huge leap at this moment in time. So yeah, I I don't ever see him being our first team coach in truth. Um, Flick, he won a Champions League with Bayern, but like he, Germany is in a bit of a mess at the moment with him there. I mean, like he, most of the the fans want him out, the media, well, the media want him out. So yeah, I think I'd drop strike a red line through that one as well. Um, Pochettino again, I. Huge time for him as a coach. They did a fantastic job at Tottenham. You only to look at what's what their trajectory since he left to kind of realise just how good a job he did with them. But yeah, it's probably difficult to, to imagine him ever going to, to going to our side or obviously having with with him being at Chelsea as well. So um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably just circle back. I'd probably go along with what Dan said there and just circle back to Alonso being probably my preferred candidate and also seemingly the most likely candidate. 
So a bit of a, a consensus on uh, on Jabby Alonso then. I think, you know, Deserbi would definitely be one for me to pick out as well. I mean, Sassuolo, he was just kind of a sort of upper mid-table manager, but when he was at Shakhtar, they were on course to win the league, obviously then, you know, um, the, the Russian invasion happened, they had to sort of curtail the league um, and it obviously ended up at Brighton after that. And it's not just the fact that they came sixth, it was the fact that, you know, you look at the underlying numbers, kind of the justice table based on the XG, they they were the fourth best team in the league last season based on how well he coached them, um, which is just incredible. I mean, to, to, to take what Graham Potter did at that club and basically go up another level on top of that was just phenomenal. I think um, probably harshly denied manager of the season in the end. Um, and I think, you know, I agree with what you said, Dan. It, it's hard to see him sort of not getting the move before then, but if he's available, then I think it's probably hard to, to look past him. I mean, the one thing we've got to consider with all of this that we've not managed to mention so far, Guardiola out of contract the year before. Man City are probably going to have the first run at some of these names potentially, mm-hmm. although it feels a little bit like Vincent Company's been earmarked for that. Again, things can change a lot. Um, and yeah, I mean, looking at the other names, I think Steve Cooper, I feel like, could be a manager who gets a top club role at some stage. Um, you know, you look at a CV, took Swansea to the playoffs twice. Um, when far, I mean, the big thing is when he took over at Forest and they had they had one point in the bottom of the league, and then they get they were promoted the same season, I think, and then they signed thirty players last season, and he still manages to keep them up with just kind of the most chaotic situation. Um, I think was really impressive from him. So let's see how he does in the next couple of years in terms of when things stabilise at that club. Can he kind of push them further up the table? Because they go up to now, he, he's had a great career. Not to be kind of like harsh on him, but like I feel like. Liverpool would want a bit more kind of marketing appeal with their appointment. You know, he doesn't, he's not necessarily a manager who is kind of like, I suppose, that well known and he wouldn't necessarily attract that many kind of headlines. And I think coming off the back of clock, maybe they would want that. And I don't necessarily think that should be the kind of thing that comes into play, but I just think it might in terms of just capturing the imagination a little bit. But again, we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, I think we'll pretty much wrap it up there. Obviously, we've got sort of the names we've kind of agreed on as a consensus and maybe it'll be interesting to revisit this whenever club does leave and see if um, any of our shouts prove to be inspired. I mean, there's, it could well obviously be someone who's not on, on this list, but I think there's a, a very good chance that it will be someone who's been mentioned in this episode. But yeah, thanks very much to Dan and Liam for joining. If you've enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star rating on Spotify. We'd really appreciate it. And also a five-star review on Apple podcasts as well. And remember, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel as well, where we post clips from our episode. But yeah, we'll be back next week. And until then, take care.